American education is in crisis. Public school districts across the country are ignoring parents' rights and focusing less on reading and math and more on critical race theory and the transgender agenda. Indeed, today you'll learn about one California school district that has reportedly been teaching a secret Marxist curriculum, hiding it from parents. By and large, our public schools are no longer educating our children. They are indoctrinating them with dangerous, extreme, anti-American, leftist ideology. Then, in our Behind the Headlines segment, Marianne Williamson is challenging Joe Biden in the Democratic presidential primary. Woody Harrelson earns the ire of the left by calling out Big Pharma on Saturday Night Live. And the Department of Energy finally concludes what everyone has known for years. COVID-19 originated at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. So grab your popcorn and settle in. You don't want to miss a single minute of today's information-packed episode of Founding Principles with me, your host, Doug Wardlow. It is time to go on offense. This is Founding Principles with Doug Wardlow. Decades ago, public schools across America taught kids reading, writing, and arithmetic. They taught history that celebrated the greatness of our country, and they helped produce students who excelled in academics and became productive members of society. Unfortunately, that's no longer the case. Now, radical leftists have taken over the teachers' unions and the public education bureaucracy. Test scores are plummeting, and kids across America are spending less and less time learning about reading and math, and more and more time learning to hate America. Radical leftist woke indoctrination has overtaken America's schools. It's a crisis that threatens to topple our representative republic and undermine free society. It's also creating kids who aren't at all ready to face the challenges of adult life. An analysis of the most recent state math test results in Baltimore, Maryland, show that exactly zero, not a single student, demonstrated grade-level proficiency in 23 entire schools. You heard that right. Ten high schools, three middle, eight elementary, and two combined schools in Baltimore City saw every single one of their students score not proficient on the 2022 Maryland Department of Education Combined Assessment Program. That is 2,000 students. Another 20 schools had only one or two proficient students. 43 out of 150 schools completely failed. The rest, well, they didn't do much better. It's just sad. And it's not just Baltimore. The whole state of Maryland struggled. While only 7% of 3rd through 8th graders in Baltimore scored proficient in math, the highest area in the entire state was only at 38%. Seriously? Not a single school district in the state can get more than 38% of their 3rd graders, 3rd through 8th graders, proficient in math? It's not just math, either. In 2022, a Baltimore City high school teacher came forward anonymously to reveal that 77% of the students in her school were reading at the elementary school level. Of the 628 students, 159 of them were reading at kindergarten or first grade level. Only 12 students, 12, tested at grade level. That's 1.9%. This school, now, it has a $12 million annual budget. That's over $19,000 per student per year. But the school's graduation weight? Only 61%. The failure follows a statewide trend of falling test scores for reading and math, a trend that didn't start with the, the pandemic but was exacerbated by it. I could spend the whole show today dissecting examples of education failures in Maryland alone. What makes this even worse is that Democratic Maryland Governor Wes Moore made education one of his top priorities. In his recent State of the State address, he said, quote, We made the largest investment in public education by any governor in our state's history. Well, that's just embarrassing. Well, you might be thinking that's just one state, right? It's just an isolated case. Well, no, not at all. This th same thing is happening all across the country. Take Illinois, for example. State school board data there shows that only 30% of students tested proficient in reading and only 26% in math. In 2019, the numbers were 37 and 32 percent. Still horrible. In Illinois, Chicago is at the center of the problem. There are 53 schools in the Chicago area where not a single student is proficient in math, and 30 where exactly zero students 
are proficient in reading. That's 10,000 students who are not proficient in math or reading. Across Illinois, there are 622 schools where only one child is proficient in reading and 930 schools, or 25% of all the schools in the state, where only one single child is proficient in math. And the rest of the schools aren't faring all that much better. But you know what? It's not just the blue states. The 2022 National Assessment of Educational Progress showed nationwide declines. The assessment statistically samples 4th, 8th, and 12th grade test scores to give a national report card on progress in general education. The results are not good. The assessment creates three proficiency levels along a numeric continuum. For 2022, 8th grade math proficiency levels were as follows. Basic at 262 points, proficient at 299 points, and advanced at 333 points. The nationwide average was 274, 8 points below the 2019 average score and far below proficiency. That is the largest drop in math assessment scores since they began in 1990. Look at that graph. It shows great progress with a leveling off in the late 2000s, decline beginning around 2012, and then scores fall off a cliff from 2019 on. In reading, 8th graders nationwide averaged 260. That's 21 points below a proficient score of 281. In 2019, the average was 263. In 2015, it was 265. Now let's look at Minnesota's historical national assessment math data for the 8th grade. The growth in Minnesota stops in 2009 with an average score of 294.44. It flattens out for a decade and then begins falling in 2019 before cratering in 2022. That general pattern exists in nearly all of the states. Across the board, students are becoming less and less proficient in the foundational subjects of reading and math. Without these building blocks, academic success, which is the bedrock of the technological advancement necessary for productive society, is impossible. So what is going on? Well, we know one thing for sure. It isn't a funding issue. Illinois allocated $9.4 billion to the Chicago public schools alone in that in last fiscal year, with an addition, additional $1.8 billion coming in from the federal government. Illinois as a whole ranks in the top third in terms of per-pupil education spending compared to other states. Maryland is in the top half with their failing schools. And New York is by far and away number one, spending over $25,000 per pupil, with only national average student proficiencies to show for it. On the other hand, North Carolina is near the bottom of the per-pupil funding pack. But even though North Carolina spends less on education than almost any other state on a per-pupil basis, they still achieved results in the national assessment reports that were just about exactly the national average. So the decline in American student education outcomes is not at all about inadequate funding. Billions upon billions of dollars are poured into schools every single year, funding increases every year, and proficiency keeps falling. Now, it's not the testing either. Regardless of how you feel about the accuracy of testing, the fact that scores are falling nationwide is telling there is a large-scale general decline. Students are, on average, doing much worse in schools across the entire nation. So, it's the pandemic, right? It has to be the pandemic. Well, no, the pandemic doesn't provide an adequate explanation for the longer-term decline of student proficiency nationwide. But closing schools during the pandemic was completely unnecessary, and it did do a lot of harm to students. The annual School Pulse Panel, a survey by the United States Department of Education, showed that over 80% of public schools reported, quote, stunted behavioral and social-emotional development because of the pandemic shutdowns. There was a 56% increase in classroom disruption from student misconduct and a 49% increase in rowdiness outside the classroom, but still inside the school. Seven in 10 public schools reported increases in students seeking mental health services since the start of the pandemic. So yes, students are worse off academically, mentally, socially, and pretty much in every way possible because of the ludicrous decision to close schools for fear of COVID-19. But the academic decline shows up far before the pandemic. And test score improvements stopped way back in the late 2000s in some places, the early 2010s and others. So there is something else at play here. 
The left has infested our entire education system with critical race theory and other woke Marxist ideology and teaching. Let's start with this. A concerned teacher from within the Santa Barbara School District made a video that takes us behind the scenes into a portion of the a restricted portion of the school district's website where details about the school district's far-left indoctrination plan reside. The website reveals an entire secret far-left woke agenda being taught to students all without the knowledge of parents. Let's watch. Once here, I go under teaching and learning and structural guidance and resources for teachers. Down, scrolling down, we go to the culturally responsive curriculum that I've been speaking about. Once here, you can scan down the page. It starts with self, talks about meta. There's uh, a month that each month is dedicated, uh, a people group, Black Lives Matter, uh, Hispanic Latinx heritage, LBGTQIA, uh, all throughout the year, teachers undergo these trainings. If you start with self, there's a tab called specifically for white folks. Under this tab, there's a bunch of links. And if you click on a link, you can read about what white colleagues need to understand. White supremacy doesn't stop at the teacher's lounge door. So there the left is secretly embedding radical race and gender teaching into the curriculum of an entire school district. Every woke topic is covered and lesson plans, which are taught on a regular basis, go from preschool to 12th grade. Preschool. No one voted for this. And before this brave teacher's video, no one outside of the teacher's lounges and district office even knew this was happening. Parents have been intentionally cut out of the loop because the leftist indoctrinators know how parents would react. And if this is happening in Santa Barbara, you can bet lefties are hard at work implementing this woke ideology elsewhere. North Carolina got in on the action in 2021, but they did it out in the open. The North Carolina Board of Education added to the state social studies standards. Here's just one example uh, from the standards. Quote, explain how individual values and societal norms contribute to institutional discrimination and the marginalization of minority groups living under the American system of government. That's exactly what our kids should be focusing on, right? Radical leftist ideology about systemic discrimination and racism? It's terrible. The City Journal recently featured a piece based on work by the Manhattan Institute that shows just how widespread the problem of leftist indoctrination is. They studied a, re a nationally representative sample of 1,505 18 to 20 year old Americans, a demographic that is about to graduate from high school or recently did so. Here's the central question that was posed to the study participants. Thinking about high school that you attended, were you ever taught any of the following concepts in class or did you hear about them from adults in the school that you attended? Well, there were eight concepts ranging from, quote, America is a systemically racist country to, quote, gender identity is a choice no matter what genders you were born into. Five concepts central to CRT were present, along with three concepts related to the transgender agenda. The results are staggering. 93% of respondents reported either being taught or hearing from an adult at school about at least one of the eight listed concepts with an average of 4.3 concepts. 90% reported either being taught or hearing about at least one of the five CRT-related concepts with an average of three concepts. And 74% reported either being taught or hearing from an adult at least one about at least one of the three transgender agenda-related concepts with an average of 1.3 concepts. What's more, 52% of students were formally taught that discrimination is the main reason for wealth or other outcome-related differences between races and genders. What's worse is that most of the students were either not taught about any arguments against the leftist ideology, or they were taught that those arguments are without merit. Well, that is the definition of indoctrination, teaching radical leftist concepts and then reinforcing them by ignoring or attacking all the facts that disprove those concepts or show them to be flawed. And all of it is done without the knowledge of parents. 
And here's perhaps the most disturbing thing about all of this. This undercover woke leftist indoctrination, it works. The percent of students who agreed with the radical woke concepts increased in groups who were taught those concepts in school. For example, 77% of students who were taught those concepts said that they believed that America is built on stolen land, compared with only 44% of students who were not taught the woke leftist concepts. Indoctrination is effective. It's how communist nations have been handling education for many decades. So, schools nationwide are failing, some in spectacular fashion, all while the left is weaving its radical woke ideology into the curriculum right under the noses of unsuspecting parents. And students are absorbing the material, retaining it, and believing it, even as they struggle with math and reading. And that's the left's plan. For the radical left, public school has never been a place for education. It's a place for indoctrination. The priority isn't proficiency in math or reading, it's proficiency in Marxist ideology. The radical left doesn't care how many students fail the state tests on math or how many can't read above a second grade level. They don't truly about, care about kids at all. They want to manufacture mind-numbed robots to carry their water, push their agenda, and eventually vote for their candidates. And they fund this effort to the hilt with your tax dollars. U.S. local, state, and federal governments spent $764.7 billion on K-12 education in 2022. Per people spending just keeps going up and up and up without end, even as education outcomes continue to decline. Something is wrong. Very, very wrong. To fix the system, we need to take control of education back from the radical leftists and their pals in the teachers' unions and root out Marxist ideology. Until we do that, nothing will change. But there is a very good way to make sure that change happens. It's called school choice. School choice returns the power back to the parents and those who actually care about our kids. It gives parents the power to choose which schools survive and which schools close. It essentially lets the parents decide what teachers get tenure and which ones retire early. It gives them a say in the curriculum that their kids experience. Under a school choice plan, parents fund the schools by choosing which one their children will attend, including private schools. Public money flows, follows the student and the choice made by the student's parents. Schools that focus on things other than reading, writing, and arithmetic will find their enrollment suffers, leading to change or closure. There won't be any room for radical leftist ideology in the schools unless the parents want it that way. And overwhelmingly, parents do not want it that way. Universally, all of us who are parents want our kids to be prepared to succeed in life. And Americans believe strongly in the constitutionally protected right of parents to direct the upbringing and education of our children. That's why the left fights so hard against school choice. They need a place to indoctrinate the next generations in their radical ideology. Without that, radical leftism dies on the vine. It can't survive a fair fight over ideas. Students who are able to think critically, think for themselves, and analyze what is going on around them are a danger to the left. They might ask hard questions and demand answers that the left simply does not have. For the left, failing schools aren't a problem as long as those failing schools buy into cultural Marxism. So here we can kill two birds with one stone. We can help our kids by returning to proper education and deal a massive blow to the radical left by destroying their ability to indoctrinate. Our failing schools are an opportunity, a reason for real change. It's time that we take the initiative. Republicans across the country need to stand with parents and fight hard for school choice and parental rights. We can no longer stand idly by as radical left teachers unions force their America-hating, culture-destroying, racist, destructive ideology on our children. And now it's time for Behind the Headlines. All right, if you like the content that we are providing, please go ahead and like the video, subscribe to our channel, drop a comment down in the comment section. Doing each one of those things helps us immensely. It helps us grow the show, multiply its impact, and get our country back on the path to its founding principles. So time for Behind the Headlines. First up today, Democrat Marion Williamson is running for president again. I know, I know, try to contain your excitement. 
It's difficult, but just, you know, please try. Williamson ran in 2016, and she spent about one year going after the Democratic nomination in 2020 as well. She sounds like a real winner. If by real winner, you mean someone who's a complete lunatic, that is. She's most notable for being close with Oprah Winfrey as Oprah's spiritual advisor. Very qualified. And she's a purveyor of psychic memorabilia online. When she ran in 2020, she proposed creating a U.S. Department of Peace. What a great idea. She also favors paying massive financial reparations to black Americans. So really a qualified candidate with a great plan there. But as loony as she is, she's the first Democrat to challenge Joe Biden. And she's saying out loud what all Democrats are thinking. Joe Biden is unfit for office. He's not in control of his mental faculties and he's deteriorating physically as well. Democrats know they can't win with Joe Biden as their nominee. Now, Biden was the best of a bad situation for the Democrats in 2020. President Trump had overseen a booming economy, world peace, and a stronger-than-ever America on the world stage, and he enjoyed unparalleled popularity among the grassroots. Democrats in 2020 had a field of candidates packed with unhinged communists and lunatics who were completely unpalatable to most Americans. Enter Sleepy Joe. No personality, perceived as a moderate, from a different era of politics. Biden was the safe pick that Democrats could force into the office using every means at their disposal. Well, now 2020 is long over, and we need a real leader to retake the White House and fix the terrible mess that Biden has created. The Democrats know that an empty suit like Biden just won't cut it. They will either have to force Sleepy Joe into retirement, or they'll lose with Biden at the helm. So maybe Marianne is the answer Democrats are looking for. She certainly seems to be just as anti-American as Joe Biden. Or maybe it will be somebody else. Either way, the Democrats are in big trouble. And that's a very good thing for America. All right, second up. Woody Harrelson has sparked controversy for his recent opening monologue on Saturday Night Live. Now, there was a time in the very distant, distant past when Saturday Night Live was actually funny. Like, they actually told jokes and put on humorous impressions and stuff like that, skits that actually made people genuinely laugh. These days, however, it's basically a pit where leftist talking points are regurgitated to an in-studio audience, and uh, they're all, no doubt, instructed to laugh using lighted signage. But Woody Harrelson decided to mix it up a bit. And he did so by going after Big Pharma in his monologue. Here's what he said. So the movie goes like this, said Harrelson. The biggest drug cartels in the country get together and buy up all the media and all the politicians and force all the people in the world to stay locked in their homes. And people can only come out if they take the cartel's drugs and keep taking them over and over and over. Pretty apt, funny comments, right? Well, Harrelson's comments were met with screams from leftists because the radical left has now decided apparently that Big Pharma is the victim of right-wing conspiracy theorists. Big Pharma, they're the ones in need of protection. Harrelson's joke went too far, says the left. Maybe though, just maybe, the left is attacking Harrelson because what he said is true. Actually, that's exactly what's going on here. When did the left decide they would shill for Big Pharma? All of eight years ago, Occupy Wall Street was calling for the heads of all those companies on pikes. You see, leftist politicians, what they're all about is power and nothing else. If they can use Big Pharma or any other entity or, or, or group in order to achieve their political ends, well, then they'll gladly ally with them. They'll line right up with them and, and use them until they're no good to the left's cause any further. Here's a crazy thought. You should make informed decisions with your doctor regarding what you put into your body. I know, crazy, radical stuff. Funny thing is, in that scenario, nobody gets paid billions of dollars. Third and finally today, the Department of Energy recently released a quote, low confidence assessment that concludes that COVID-19 likely originated in a Chinese lab, the Wuhan Institute of Virology, and that a subsequent leak from that lab ignited the global pandemic. In other words, the Department of Energy has spent two years trying to figure out what everyone else already knew. Don't worry, though. 
This is apparently still a minority view in the intelligence community. Apparently the intelligence community still thinks a more likely explanation is that COVID appeared from nature as a punishment for like climate change and global warming or some nonsense like that. It's very troubling that our government doesn't seem to grasp reality. Here's the most likely explanation, I think. The Biden administration is filled with China apologists who are actively working to defend the communist dictatorship. And they're doing that in hand in hand with big business, the ones that see dollar signs whenever they look at China, like the Chamber of Commerce. Early on in the pandemic, it became pretty clear that this COVID-19 virus originated in the lab in Wuhan. It matters where the virus originated, of course. But you know what? It matters even more that we have a government that is in the business of telling us the truth. Right now, we can't trust our government or the legacy media that is charged with informing the public. Indeed, it seems that the legacy media is just a shill for the Democratic National Committee. And then to make matters worse, we know from the Twitter files and the Missouri versus Biden lawsuit that the federal government has been colluding with big tech companies to censor conservative viewpoints on social media. This is all very disturbing because if our representative republic is going to survive, Americans need access to true information. We need free speech. We need to be able to receive information and then expose it to unfettered debate in the public square. The good news is more Americans are going to alternative forms of media to get information. And as our founders knew full well, it's also a very good thing that the people have a general level of distrust of government. The bad news, however, is that many Americans still have their heads buried in the sand. Well, that's all for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you like the content we're providing, please go ahead and subscribe to the channel. Make sure you like the video, drop a comment in the comment section, and we'll see you next time on Founding Principles with Doug Wardlow.